I'm Nidhi Tiwari. And I'm Billy Samoa. And this is Relearned. Perfectionism Relearned. When you think about the world's highest achieving individuals, people like Brene Brown, Steve Jobs, Serena Williams, Michelangelo, I mean, the list goes on. Each and every one of these people identify as a perfectionist. And when you think about their success, you would think that perfectionism has been an asset to them, that perhaps has driven them to reach higher and higher levels of achievement. But what if perfectionism is actually getting in the way of you achieving your highest potential? What if it's getting in the way of you being the most creative, productive, highest achieving person that you can be? We're going to be unpacking all of this and more in today's episode of Relearned. As we get started on this topic of perfectionism, I think it's important to explore some of the pitfalls that we see with perfectionists. And one of those is that they procrastinate. They put off doing things. When we think about all these people who've done incredible things, what they've done is they've managed their perfectionism and they've gotten to a place where they've been able to perform at a high level despite the perfectionism. Now, it probably also helped them, but what we see happen all too often is there's countless untold stories that people who we're not talking about, who aren't Steve Jobs or Serena Williams or all, all those people that we've already mentioned, but they've stopped doing what they really are called to do and destined to do because their perfectionism is getting in the way. So let's dive deeper and really unpack where this all comes from. So let's start with genetics. Studies have shown, and they did a study on twins where they realized that it actually is something that you can inherit. You can inherit this perfectionism from your parents. And they actually found that it's about 33 to 54% likely that if your parents have some form of perfectionism, you're likely to have it. So I can tell you from my own firsthand experience that I know my mom is a perfectionist. And I feel like a lot of the perfectionism that I have I've gotten directly from her. Absolutely. And I think that in addition to the genetic component, there's also the modeling piece of things, right? There's like the nature versus nurture. And in the case of perfectionism, you witness your parents. I know I witnessed my parents really honing into making sure they never made mistakes, making sure everything was at the highest level possible. And when that was modeled for me, it rubbed off on me. So I came away thinking that the only way to exist, the only way to really truly be successful was to be perfect or not do it at all. And I think that there's more to it than just this binary of either it's perfect or I'm just not going to even bother with it. And that gray area is where we can find still a lot of success that is much more sustainable than if we're consistently and constantly trying to achieve perfectionism. I have the same exact experience. and. What concerns me is partially the fact that when we look at perfectionism broadly, and we've already highlighted that it can make you less likely to do something, but there's also other things to consider, such as it's mentally, your mental health is affected by your perfectionism, but they've also found that your physical health is affected by perfectionism. In fact, there's studies that have shown that you're actually at much higher risk for chronic conditions like cardiovascular disease and other ailments because of your perfectionism. It not only affects your mental state, but it can also affect your physical state. Yeah, and that the way that you feel emotionally is going to show up in the way that you present physically and like the way that your body is coping because perfectionism causes stress. 
It causes anxiety. It can be a contributing factor towards depression, eating disorders. When I used to work at a hospital and I used to work a lot with individuals with eating disorders, perfectionism was at the root of it because and control because there was so much of a desire to look a certain way because of societal expectations or you know the way that their parents made them feel about their bodies and so i think it's important to recognize that like your psychological well-being is at stake if you continue to pursue perfectionism as your goal and the mental piece connects to the physical piece. So absolutely makes sense that the risk of cardiovascular disease, and I'm sure many other conditions, goes up pretty significantly if you are a perfectionist. Yeah. And I think part of it is the fear factor that you have, right? If you're a perfectionist and you're actually afraid to do things and you put off doing things, you're going to end up facing a lot of challenges. And not only does perfectionism impact your mental health in the traditional sense with like anxiety, depression, eating disorders, like I mentioned, but perfectionism is also really strongly correlated with this concept of imposter syndrome, which is kind of like a little bit of a buzzword these days. I think everybody's familiar with it, but it's for those of you who may not be, it's the idea that you may be found out to be a fraud that you're not actually supposed to be where you are and that other people will discover somehow that you're less competent, less capable, not as good as they are. So this fear can be very strong within people who are perfectionists. And imposter syndrome can impact you in the way of not really putting yourself out there for opportunities. You know, if you're afraid that people are going to view you as a fraud, well, then you're probably going to play it small, right? And you're not going to necessarily take the risks that your counterparts who are not perfectionists are going to take. You see this happen all the time in creativity, right? So I think you bring up a great point with imposter syndrome and it playing a major role in how we respond to the mental weight that is put on us when we start to compare ourselves with other people. And I think that's really the root of imposter syndrome is that we're comparing ourselves to those around us. In reality, we should just really be comparing ourselves to ourselves, right? Like we should think about who we were yesterday, who we were last week, last month, last year. I think, are we doing the things necessary to improve ourselves from our old self? And so creativity, especially in the world of creativity, this plays a major role. And so people who are perfectionists and they also tend to be creative, there's this battle that's happening in between them being a perfectionist and them wanting to be creative and having this outlet. And it's very multifaceted. It varies pretty widely. And some people can allow a version one to be okay. And some people need their version one to be absolutely perfect. And Something that was shared with me, which I love, is you got to think in terms of versions. And so I mentioned version one. Remember, your version one won't be as good as your version two, and your version three will be better than your version two, and so on. And so if you kind of think in versions, it allows you to be a little bit more accepting of whatever you're putting out into the world. And so this really helps with just about anything, especially in the world of creativity. Well, the thing is that you can't get to version three until you put out versions one and two, right? Like so often we're thinking about the end result, but we haven't put in the effort to try to get to that end result. And I've always been of the mind, or at least I've had to learn this over time, that done is better than perfect. So it was better for me to be able to put out a draft of something, get feedback, 
and improve upon it so it can reach the vision that I have versus me just spending all the time in my head, like thinking about conceptualizing it and thinking about how I want to do it versus actually doing it. This is where perfectionism is tricky because I find that sometimes it can be an avoidance tactic where like we get so ruminative and like so stuck in like the story and the thought process that we forget that action is a part of being able to achieve the end result. And until we push ourselves beyond that initial hump of like, uh, I don't know, it's just not the way I want it to be we're never going to get there because we haven't iterated it. So I just, I love the way that you framed that in terms of looking at it as versions. Perfection is the enemy of progress, right? And that, and it's just like you said, done is better than perfect. And so I think giving yourself these cues and these ideas to allow yourself to move beyond that barrier that you have, that that's obstruction that's in your way, it'll allow you to put more work out there. And I'm, hugely on page with what you said, like iterative processing and bringing things out in stages. And the more you can do that, the more you're okay with having a version done than having nothing done, the better. The flip side of this is perfectionism is a motivator for some people. It helps them produce super high quality work. So that's the the challenge. Like I think generally speaking, we don't want to just kind of settle, right? Perfectionists, we don't ever want to settle because we want something to be super high quality. But at the same time, we have to settle if we want to get a version done. So I think finding that middle ground is so, so important. Definitely. I mean, it shouldn't be such a binary, right? It's not, I get it perfect or, you know, I'm going to stall out until I finally do get it perfect. It's like, there's so many opportunities in between. And you had mentioned the idea of comparing yourself, right? Like that sometimes what gets us stuck is that we're comparing what our product is to somebody else who we may look up to. And I think that it's so important to have perspective because I know a lot of times when I'm comparing myself to somebody else, who's like, five steps ahead. I don't consider the fact that they're five steps ahead. I don't think about the fact that they've been doing this for five to 10 years longer than I have. So of course they're further along. And it's not fair to myself and to you as the listener who may be comparing yourself to other people to hold yourself to a standard that is so far ahead of where you are today. So to be able to just really focus on the present, focus on what you can do, what actions you can take now, and to move forward with it. One of the other pieces too is that perfectionism tends to be more prevalent with women and that there are some gender differences. So like I talked about imposter syndrome a moment ago, and there's a really great article out there that talks about how imposter syndrome may be a fake term when it comes to women, because the reality is there's so much pressure placed on women to get it perfect, to be the Jill of all trades, to be the all-encompassing person who's the caregiver and the nurturer, but also the businesswoman and also smart and, you know, but not too smart because you you don't want to outshine other people. And there's just so many different pressures that get placed on women. And what, what studies have found is that men are prone towards self-oriented perfectionism, which means that they put pressure on themselves, but women are much more likely to experience socially prescribed perfectionism because of the societal expectations and pressures that are placed on women. And so is it that we're imposters and that we feel like we might be found out to be a fraud? Or is it that the expectations are so unreasonable that they're unattainable for any woman to achieve? And so we're striving for something that is only setting us up for failure. 
what's that? Oh, I think I just heard thousands of heads nodding right now <laughs> in, <laughs> in agreement. I think you're so spot on. And I, the difference between how it impacts and affects a man versus a woman is fascinating. You know what else is interesting is where it lands in your lifespan and as far as how somebody maybe becomes more perfectionistic as a young adult and maybe starts to lose some of that perfectionism as they age. Studies have shown that that's true. That actually is very common that it happens in that way. And it goes back to what you said. If you're looking at somebody else, you're comparing yourself to somebody else, not only do they have a totally different story than you and have they led a different life and there's so many other variables at play that have made them who they are and put them in the position they are, like they maybe have a different stage of life in their own perfectionism. They may, one, they may not be a perfectionist, but two, they may be losing their perfectionism or they may be ramping up their perfectionism. You never know. And so makes it even that much more important to focus on yourself and to focus on comparing yourself to the old you and working on the things that will help you and understand why are you acting in the way in which you're acting? Why, what's influencing the decisions that make you who you are? Yeah, and when I think about people who are further along in their journey, so they may be of more advanced age. Oh my gosh, there's like so many like 60 and 70 year old people out there who give zero Fs about anything. Like they are just like so confident and self-assured. They've gone beyond the idea and like the premise that other people's opinions about me matter. I look forward to the day where I can like just show up and be like, whatever, but take it or leave it. You know what I mean? Which tells you that in my life, like I'm moderately along in my journey, but there's still room for improvement. There's definitely still times that I may tell a story to myself about whether I belong in a particular space. I'm going to be doing this like discovery session for TED Women in a few weeks here. And like, there's a part of me that's so excited and ready for it and feels like I've worked so hard for this. And I know that that's true. But then of course, there's this other part of me that's like, but you're, I don't know, you're going to be there amongst like TED speakers and you're going to be there amongst like some of the most powerful women in the world. And do you really deserve to step into the room? So I'm just looking forward to the, the time in my life where I can just walk into rooms like that and be like, yeah, I deserve to be here and I'm going to own it. 100%. And the, I think everyone who knows you knows that you do deserve to be there. And it's a an absolute hell yes that you you belong there. So, you know, when we look at life and we look at the nuance of childhood versus growing up and becoming an adult. And then I love the way you put it. Like when you're a lot of the older folks, they just do not care at all. And so it's like, do they just completely lose their perfectionist tendencies? And then we look early in life. What we also see is that sometimes kids, it actually helps them with creativity if they're a little bit of a perfectionist. So it can help us in ways and it can hurt us in other ways, which is why I think as we start to look at how we navigate through having perfectionist tendencies, we should be conscious of how it's affecting us. And so we're going to get into some of the, the nuts and bolts of how to handle it in a moment. Before we do, I think it's important that we really look at today and what's around us. You mentioned imposter syndrome, right? So social media is really in so many ways a mirror to all the things that we've talked about in recognizing that imposter syndrome becomes that much more something that we have to battle 
because of what we see on social media. And so people with perfectionist tendencies that constantly look at social media, they're constantly playing that comparison game and they're idealizing what perfect is to them. So having awareness of how social media is impacting you, especially as it relates to your own perfectionism, is important. So I'm curious, Nithi, so you're somebody who's super active on social media. You're also somebody who you've, you've confided to me that you've had some perfectionist tendencies throughout your life. I'm curious, like, what have you realized and what are some of the things that you've noticed as it relates to social media and perfectionism? I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, when we're exposed to people's best moments, their highlight reels, the, the moments of joy and success and confidence, it's hard to not feel like you're lacking, right? And especially when we think about like, like going back to some of those gender differences, like you think about how many women's pictures, and honestly, maybe this is across gender lines, how many photos, period, are Photoshopped to give you the perfect body to take away any flaws in your face. We have filters now that smooth out our skin, give us like bright white teeth, right? Change our eye color. I mean, there's just so much opportunity to feel bad about yourself. And I think that this has a significant impact, not only on like our self-esteem and self-perception, but on our mental health and well-being because it creates a sense of loneliness, right? Like when you're in this siloed world where everything is perfect all the time on social media, it can feel incredibly isolating to navigate that and to not feel like you can be open and honest about those hard moments. That's why I really try to like make an effort to show the good and the not so good. I do a lot of LinkedIn posts where I'll talk about a vulnerable moment where I may have struggled in sharing something or a moment where I may have felt like I didn't belong at work. I think it's important to have a balance between, hooray, I'm speaking at this place, and whoa, this is like a struggle I encountered as a woman or as an entrepreneur or as an Indian person or whatever the identity is that I'm relating to in that moment. And I think the more that we can expose ourselves to people that are real, like curate your feed a little bit. I've had to unfollow a lot of accounts where it's just like bodybuilders and people that are like, restrict your diet in order to be the perfect body shape and the perfect size. It's like, that's not helpful. and That's not the way that I want to live my life. So I'm not going to expose myself to that on social media. And I think that a lot of times when social media creates this unhealthy expectation it can lead to a lot of shame, a lot of internalized shame. This is now getting down to the roots of where perfectionism originates because it's all about self-belief. It's about the belief that I'm not good enough. I'm shameful. I'm bad. I'm a disappointment, right? I'm a fraud. These are all the core self-beliefs that can drive us to feel guilty and ashamed of where we are. When we reach those high levels, those self-beliefs can hold us back and make us feel bad about being successful. And when we're not successful, those same self-beliefs can initiate shame, which creates a frozen dynamic. It like makes us feel stuck. And so I think it's really important to recognize the impact that this has on our emotional well-being, as well as our self-esteem and self-worth, because perfectionism, while it's a double-edged sword and can help us to achieve those higher levels, it can also be incredibly debilitating and can bring us into a frozen, disempowered state. Which is why we need to know how to manage it. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about managing perfectionism. We already know it's important for our mental health. We've talked about it's important for our physical health. And so how do we strike that healthy balance of allowing perfectionism to 
help us because it can be a motivating factor. It can help us with creativity. Some of the most elite, high-performing people that we've ever known are perfectionists, right? So we know that. So how do we use it to our advantage, but also how do we manage it so it doesn't become so hindering in our ability to do the things that we're destined to do? Let's dive in and talk about some of those steps. I think the first step is identifying what type of perfectionist you are, because I don't know if other people were aware of this. I know that I wasn't. There are different forms that perfectionism takes. There's three different categories. The first one is self-oriented perfectionism. So as you're listening to this, kind of see what resonates with you. These are people that set high standards for themselves. So it's not that the world is putting expectations on you. It's that you yourself have these really exceedingly high expectations of what you should be achieving. Then there's other-oriented perfectionism, which is when high standards are being imposed by you onto other people. We see this a lot with managers, for example, who expect for their team members to get it perfect all the time, never be late, never make a mistake, never say the wrong thing. And when you impose perfectionism on other people, it actually can impact their ability to perform. In fact, there's growing evidence to suggest that perfectionism at work thwarts people's ability to find meaning in their work. So when you as a leader are imposing these perfectionist standards on other people, they're now getting less fulfillment out of their work. They're experiencing less satisfaction with their jobs. And now because they're trying to strive for this high standard, they often struggle with boundaries between work and life. Their work bleeds into their personal lives and they feel like, oh my gosh, if I'm not working every single day of the week, even a little bit on the weekends, then I won't be viewed as competent. I won't be reaching the standard that I have set for myself or others have set for me. And that's not okay. So that's where this other focus, perfectionism, can be challenging. The last form of perfectionism is socially prescribed perfectionism. This is believing that others expect perfection from you. So this is now not necessarily from within yourself. It's you're the person who the leader is saying, I need you to never get it wrong. I need you to show up exactly on time all the time. And that can also create a situation where you're not able to show up and you're not able to do the work in the way that you would best do it because you're trying to reach other people's standards. So the first step is always the self-awareness and being able to identify, okay, if I'm a perfectionist, which of these subsections do I fit into? Right. And I think the self-awareness piece is so, so vital because you've highlighted that there's different types of perfectionism, the, the type where we're putting it on ourselves, the type where we're putting it on other people, and the type where other people are putting it on us. And so recognizing how it's affecting you and how it's impacting you is crucial. And most of us probably, if we really look closely, we'll figure out like what type of perfectionist we are. And you know, it's so crazy too, because perfection, what's really perfect? Like maybe you could get perfect on a math test, right? Maybe that's one thing, but like most things, they, perfections, it doesn't really exist, right? Like creativity, things in the creative space, like it's subjective. It's no, nothing can be perfect. Literally nothing can be perfect. So I think we have to remind ourselves of that and that reality. And so if the first step is that self-awareness piece, I think the next step is to really set some realistic goals. Establish maybe some milestones of achievement by breaking down tasks that are large into smaller, more manageable steps. 
And if we can do this, it'll give ourselves permission to maybe put something out that's not what we think is absolutely the perfect, perfect representation of the bigger picture goal that we have. So become aware, break things down, and then you got to have some compassion for yourself. Some self-compassion goes a long way. Understanding yourself, understanding the nuance that exists. You don't want to give yourself every break, right? Like we got to push ourselves, but also recognizing that it's okay to not be okay. It's okay if things are not going exactly as you expected. Most people overestimate what they could do in a year and they underestimate what they could do in 10 years. And I think if we give ourselves a longer time horizon on what it is that we're trying to do, we're going to achieve some incredible things in our lifetime. But the problem is, is that we, we live in this instant gratification world of everything has to be exactly as we want it, as quickly as we possibly can get it. And I just think that we got to give ourselves a little bit more grace and compassion when it comes to doing whatever it is that we're called to do. I think you hit on something that's so important. Two things. One is that I firmly believe, contrary to what we may think, that perfectionism is like an asset to us. I think that perfectionism is actually a sign that you have a fixed mindset. It's very black and white, all or nothing thinking. And when you think about a growth mindset, it's about flexibility. It's about being able to shift and adapt as needed. And one of the things that comes into play is that we engage in this all or nothing thinking. It's like, it's either perfect or it's not good enough. And it's like, wait, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. Like there's many shades of gray in between. And something that you touched on a moment ago was that school, like we get these, like an, an A grade, you could get a hundred percent on a math test. But I think we don't look at the way that school programs us in a lot of ways to be a perfectionist, right? As I think about times where I've gotten survey results, for example, from different speaking engagements that I've done, I kid you not, I have literally calculated the percentage of positive versus negative, And I've assigned myself a grade based off of that percentage. I'm like, oh, 93% positive. That's great. Like that's an A. That's good. <laughs> right. If I get 87%, I'm like, oh, that's a B. Oh, I don't know about that. That's not good enough. Right. Even that is very black and white, all or nothing thinking. The question really becomes, did I enjoy myself? Did I provide value to people? Did people come away feeling transformed in some way? Chances are the answer is yes. And even if there were mistakes and flaws along the way, which inevitably will be the case, that doesn't change the end outcome. We have to be able to seek out the support to navigate through these blocking beliefs, these core beliefs that really hold us back. And, and honestly, there's a lot of like thought fallacies that we have, like all or nothing thinking, shoulds, musts, all types of stuff that we put out there that really impact us negatively. So work with a therapist. There's great treatment out there. One option that many may know about already is CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. And this is a way to challenge your thoughts, feelings, and actions and start to kind of shift the way that you're navigating those perfectionistic thoughts. 
my favorite intervention that has helped me a lot with my own perfectionism is EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And the reason why this is so effective is because it addresses those core beliefs, the I'm not good enough moments, the I'm imperfect, the I'm a disappointment, all of that gets resolved and processed through so that when you do show up for that next opportunity, you're not held back by these old narratives. Mm, So powerful. And I think when you are able to unpack some of those things that exist, it clears the runway for what's possible. We put so much pressure on ourselves and it's almost like we put more pressure on ourselves than we would ever, ever consider putting on somebody else. So treat yourself with the same kind of compassion that you would offer to a friend and give yourself that ability to be who you are and therapy and processing things that have happened in your past in a way that will allow you to show up fully is so, so, so valuable. I love that you talked about your your passion, EMDR and CBT. I think these are things that can just be life-changing. And so seek out counsel from people in your local community who can help you in those areas. I think the other thing is Celebrating those wins, celebrating progress, acknowledge achievement in the smallest little thing. No matter how small it is, it's worth celebrating. And if something can help you shift and balance out this intense perfectionism that you have, we want to make sure that you're rewarding that behavior with the celebration. Another thing to remember is I think we, we as perfectionists, we tend to overload ourselves, trying to do everything all at once. Not only do we want it right away, we want to put our plate in front of us with like everything. And I think we just kind of avoid taking on too much responsibility. This goes back to, we talked about like breaking it down into bite-sized pieces. If you break it down, you're less likely to overload yourself with trying to do it all. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I I kind of got the visual as you were talking about that of like my Thanksgiving plate where it's like heaping spoonfuls of like mashed potatoes and stuffing. Too much mashed potatoes. Too much mashed potatoes. (laughs) It's like, do you take off the, you don't need another serving of mashed potatoes. Put the mashed potatoes down, (laughs) sit down at the dinner table, eat what you got on your plate. (laughs) You know, another thing that you, you kind of alluded to, which I think is important to going into is like the language that we use. You talked about it a little bit, but I think just having awareness, and again, a lot of this comes down to awareness. The more aware you are, the more observant you are, the more you're going to find saying phrases like, I must, right? I must do this. Replace this with, I choose to, or I want to, okay? Because a lot of times we're like, we have the, I must, I should, I have to, like, I choose to, I want to. These are simple shifts we can make that can make a monumental difference. It's powerful being able to notice what you're saying to yourself and not take it at face value to really challenge and make those subtle shifts like you were just talking about in terms of the way that we speak to ourselves. There's also like a few key questions that people can ask themselves because the reality is that at a certain time with perfectionism, there's a point of diminishing returns. So you might ask like yourself, what's the opportunity cost? by me continuing to put off or continuing to iterate when it should just be good enough. 
Am I using my time wisely? These are all coming from a wonderful HBR article. Am I being productive, right, by engaging in this perfectionist mindset? And am I really going to be able to maximize the impact if I never put it out there? You know, you could spend a few extra hours trying to get something perfect, but is it really influencing the way that it's going to impact the actual outcomes, right? Alluding back to what I was talking about earlier with the speaking engagement. If I toy with the presentation for five more hours, is the audience really going to feel that, that time investment? Probably not. So that's a key component. And one other piece I wanted to touch on too, is that I don't know about you, but like I tend to get ruminative. So like when something goes imperfectly, that's when like the, the negative story begins of like, oh my God, here you go. Like everybody thinks you're an idiot. You're never going to be booked again. You made a mistake. That's just not acceptable. All of that story comes into play. And so you have to learn how to be able to stop the ruminating and not confuse ruminating for problem solving because it's not. You overthinking and rethinking the way that you engage with somebody or the conversation you had with a team member is not going to change anything, right? Instead, get yourself out of the story that you're creating and look at what action you can take. Like, okay, I said the wrong thing. How can I now follow up with them to clarify what I meant? Or, hmm, I was maybe harsh towards this person. How can I deliver the feedback differently the next time? Don't let the rumination thwart action. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? I mean, I totally relate to what you're saying. This ongoing just track that is on repeat, it's like stuck going over and over and over again. I'm curious, like, what do you think causes us to ruminate? And then what are some of the ways we could just like stop it in its tracks? Like, pardon the pun, right? If it's a track that's playing on a record over and over again, how do we like stop the record from playing? Because it doesn't serve us, right? It doesn't serve us to have this rumination go over and over again. I think that shame is what's driving the track. It's what's driving that thought process. And I think the there's a subtle shift and a subtle difference between shame and guilt. Shame is what we feel when we beat ourselves up about something, when we sit up late at night and we're just rethinking the last 35 years of things that you've said to people and you're just replaying that in your mind, right? And shame immobilizes you because it the narrative that you create is that I'm bad, I'm not good enough, I messed up, I'm a mistake. But if you're able to shift that to guilt, that instead I made a mistake, this project could have used improvement. I could have maybe said this differently. That's a vast difference from the guilt thought versus the shame thought. One is about you yourself being a mistake, and the other is about the action that you took being a mistake. That distinction can make all the difference in the world. So we've covered a lot of ground when it comes to perfectionism, and the the HBR article that you mentioned highlights that Perfectionism as a form of avoidance has actually risen 32% over the last three decades. That's insane. And that it's also causing people to not find meaning in their work, not having job satisfaction, or the work-life balance that they, they really deserve. And so as we reflect and as we relearn this topic, I think it's important to remember that acknowledging just how vastly important it is to conquer perfectionism is paramount. And so we talked a lot about how to treat it and how to think about it. Everything from 
being able to have that self-awareness, to celebrate progress, to seek support, to use time management and breaking things down, to avoid the negative self-talk, to understand that you might have perfectionist language that you're unconsciously using, that you're allowing yourself to procrastinate, you're maybe getting in more isolated states, that social media is playing a role. All of these things combined help to create the reality that you live in and also can help to battle perfectionism. But remember that overcoming perfectionism is a process. It takes time. It takes effort. It's going to take a lot of work to do the things that you want to do while also managing your own perfectionist tendencies. Be easy on yourself. Don't let yourself get down if you're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. And you'll continue to get better the more you acknowledge that reality. If you enjoyed the insights and perspectives you've gained from ReLearned, please consider following the show on your favorite podcast platform. We're grateful for your support, and we look forward to being a part of your transformational journey. 